Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Well, bro, can you believe it? Here we are, 5-0 and after uh, a shutout of Indiana. A um, lot to talk about this podcast episode, uh, talking no, about dude. the Indiana game, dude. as well as the Iowa game. Dude. But before we get into that, we just got just to gotta say, let's check in. Dude. How are you doing, bro? What's, I heard you were at Red Rocks last night. Dude. How, <laughs> dude, yes. Dude, <laughs> I was at Red Rocks twice in the last... Three days, actually. Must be um, nice, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, the uh, last night I went to go see a, a band formerly known as Mandolin Orange, and they are now called Watch House. Uh, a buddy of mine from Lewisburg, John Connor, happened to be coming through town. Um, I didn't even know until he was like almost. It was like he was on his drive out here, and I was like, "You're going to be in town?" He's like, "Yeah, I got an extra ticket to this concert at Red Rocks." And I was like, "Dude, I just saw Bill Burr on Friday night. Two Red Rocks shows in three nights with a Penn State win shutout sandwich." In the middle, it's been a Man. really good weekend for me. A <laughs> banner weekend, yeah. dude. And Incredible weather out here too. Yet you're conscious mm-hmm. enough to actually ha- have a have a podcast episode. Yeah, conscious right enough, now. as in, I, well, yeah. I mean, I didn't have a cr- crazy weekend. I didn't partake in any uh, of the spirits, uh, if you will, because I I have an October challenge of cutting back on all those kinds of things so I can enjoy a, uh, you know, a clearer, uh, a month of October and I'm oh, doing nice. fitness challenges and some other personal challenges. Um, and, and no, no alcohol being one of them. So nicely done. Yeah. Um, Good for but you. you know, we're five and oh right now. We're, Indeed and, we are. And we were 0 and 5 last year, but you said we got a lot to talk about. And it's like, dude, when we were 0 and 5 last year, we had a lot to talk about then, too. We have even more to talk about while we're a top four team and being 5 and 0, entering a top four matchup this weekend in Kinnick. It's just an exciting time to be a Penn State football fan. It really is. I mean, <laughs> you could not be more different than last year at this time, or at least at this point in the season. I mean, I, I still remember how forlorn and woebegone I felt about. <laughs> How awful that team was. By the way, coming off of our fifth loss in a row to Iowa. Right. We'll get into that. Yeah. But look, before before all of that, um, we're going to start with some news and notes. A lot of stuff going on around college football this weekend. So uh, let's get into it. News and notes. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> You just so, keep dancing uh, and keep laughing to those little ditties. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, um, look, uh, right, picking up with Penn State real quick. Uh, it was a twenty-four to nothing victory uh, against Indiana. A stripe-out game at home looked beautiful on television. Um, but some news coming out of that game, uh, which was mentioned in the broadcast, is that. Jahan Dotson and Sean Clifford broke a pretty significant record. Um, the record of the number of um, touchdown connections between a quarterback and a and a receiver. Uh, Blackledge, Todd Black, Blackledge, and Kenny Jackson had set the mark at I think it was seventeen. Correct. 
And um, with Blackledge in the booth calling, calling the game, the game <laughs> yeah. um, Jahan and Sean not only um, tied it, but then in the same game also broke it, broke it with yeah. two touchdown connections. Probably pretty um, special for Blackledge to, to to witness that. And, and he even mentioned a lot during the broadcast how it's just like, man, what a... This this team and this program has come so far since he was on the sidelines at, at Beaver Stadium and at Penn State. I mean, he won a national title there, but man, did it look different on the sidelines and in the game? We were totally different offense, totally different kind of vibe of the team. You know what Franklin's doing to this with this school is is just kind of shocking and and to to Blackledge's uh estimation he's really enjoying that as an alum seeing what what's going on uh with Penn State football these days. Yeah, a lot of that um record-breaking performance um do credit to Sean Clifford, but Jahan Dotson is just showing himself to be uh, a special special receiver um and sort of uh, wrapped up into that, um, we're hearing that like some of the key folks who are like grading receivers, Mel Kuyper being among them, uh, he came out and said Jahan Dotson his is his top receiver in the draft. He's slotting him as the number eight overall pick in this year's draft. So that's that's a lot of praise for. Dude, Jahan we haven't Dotson had well. a a first round wide, and obviously a lot could change between now and the draft. Obviously, it's very early, um, and and Mel Kuyper's not. The person doing the drafting, so these teams are going to value right. players they'll, differently. They'll but, figure it out themselves. But I mean, it's still <laughs> like in the game. Blackledge referenced Mel Kuyper's ranking of uh, of Jahan, and you know he t- he mentioned that uh, Jahan and his father really had like an emotional moment because Jahan was. You know, I mean, gosh, did, he came back for his senior year, and some players that do that don't necessarily increase their draft stock, and some people just decide not to come back, and and they and they like don't measure up to like whatever they what they wanted to do in the draft. But Jahan is coming back and really proving that coming back for your senior season can pay significant dividends. He's quote unquote making a lot of money this year. Yeah, well, um, you know, aside in the from, draft, by the y- way. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> Not an I am, you know, but I'm aware of anyways. Aside from from the the metrics, and he he's he's lighting it up on the the statistical board, especially in the Big Ten. He's first in receptions with thirty five. Uh, that's good for tenth nationally. He's first in touchdowns in the Big Ten with six. That's that's sixth nationally. Um, that's that's really really impressive, but I think the intangibles there as well. Just the way, um, and you hear it. Uh, Sean Clifford had some interesting quotes in the post game about Jahan Dotson and just you know how committed he is, how dedicated it is the combination of speed and um, sort uh, his ability to catch the ball. I mean, the way he just sort of snagged that um, dart out of the air um, on that first touchdown reception. He's such an athlete, but also yeah, he's so, he's so smooth, natural. like deceptive. He's deceptively. Yeah. Good. So it's been fun to watch Jahan and to have, you know, to have that kind of reliability for Sean Clifford. No doubt it's been really, really we wonderful thing this year. We, we have, I think, in the, since the 1995 draft, we've only had a handful of skill, offensive skill players be drafted in the first round. Obviously, Saquon Barkley went first. Uh, uh, obviously, dra- yeah. Not, he didn't go first in the draft. <laughs> he was number two, number, number two, two, right? Behind but uh, that was obviously in the 2018 draft. Um, but then prior to that was the 2003 draft. Um, Bryant Johnson, a wide receiver for us, went uh, I think 17th overall. 
I think to the Cardinals. He kind of didn't me- measure up, unfortunately, but he was a great Penn State wide receiver that 2002 season. But uh, I think uh, before that, then it was um, Kyle uh, Brady, the tight end in the '95 draft, uh, and along with uh, Kerry Collins and Kajana Carter that same draft year. But before, and I, I, I don't have the stats before the the '95 draft, but. Um, I believe that's that's it. That's all we got, you know. So if if um, if Jahan Dotson proves to be a first round draft pick, it's significant, significant. Because look, yeah, look, so, look, we got Caden Saunders, potentially one of the number one wide receivers in the country, coming in, and he's you know seeing what Jahan Dotson is doing, and of course KJ Hamler before that, and it's like, man, like you can be a star, a national star on this Penn State offense. Yeah, I, and you know, I think KJ Hamler sort of uh, kind of paved the way a little bit. Sure, um, you know, he wasn't drafted highly. I mean, Godwin uh, did too. Gasicki yeah, did yeah. too. And it's we're seeing this over a, the course of multiple yeah. offensive coordinators. So even with these yeah. OC changes, you can still be a star skill player in Penn State's offense. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a it's a fun place uh, to play offense. It seems like and and a fun a fun offense to watch. We'll talk a little bit more about that offense as we uh, break down the Indiana game. But let's uh, move on to a couple of other news and notes items. Uh, a lot of really marquee games. And if you weren't a Penn State fan, you're like the Indiana Penn State game was actually probably a bit of an afterthought. I mean, they barely mentioned it on College Game Day. Right here were some of the marquee that's hilarious. Games. By the way, I know that, isn't it? That's indicative. I'm sorry to, to cut you off here, but that's indicative of how College. Game day's not coming to Iowa this week. They had a Penn State primetime game on ABC this past weekend, and they didn't like talk about the matchup in game day because they knew they wanted to go to their new S, you know, upcoming and future SEC Texas and Oklahoma Darlings at the Red River Rivalry and a top 25 matchup, but not a top four matchup. Like how it's it's getting ripped apart online right now by a lot of yeah, people kinda, across the country. Kind of goofy. Yeah, kind of goofy. Sorry, I had to I had to rant there a little bit. It's it's, <laughs> well, it's messed up. Now now, you know, I the game day has been at an Iowa State Iowa game and at a Penn State Auburn game. So fair, fair, whatever. But it's a top four matchup. Come on. Yeah, you know, are they trying to share the love or are they just trying to like <laughs> you know? Um, it's a lot to talk you about. You know, just, just ride Iowa. the SEC gravy train. But anyway, yeah. um, look, uh, here were the games that happened this weekend of significance. First of all, number one and number two, Alabama and Georgia, respectively, were playing top 10 games. Um, or I guess maybe Ole Miss wasn't top 10. but oh, like, they were 11th. But, they were 11th. But, you know, so, so major games that was really going to put their ranking to the test. Everyone was thinking, hey, look. Uh, Ohio State's gone down. Um, you know, Oklahoma's been teetering. Maybe the top teams uh, haven't been tested well enough. You know what? Um, Alabama and Georgia just like said, you know, shut your mouth <laughs> because <laughs> to the they whole country, care of business <laughs> to the whole country. Yeah, is it? Don't yeah, exactly. Step on our you know ability to win big games. Don't step on our ability to be a dominant team and a top two team. And yeah, did Georgia, Georgia jump them? Did Georgia jump Bama? I don't think so, but I didn't yeah. actually. I, I was kind that. of um, interested. Georgia no, and the noon game just spanked Arkansas. I mean, it wasn't even wasn't even a game. It was thirty seven to nothing. Um, that was the and, feel good um, story of the year with their their coach Pittman. I think. Is yeah, name. I mean, Arkansas just didn't even seem to show up against yeah. Georgia, and that Georgia defense is just you know continuing to steamroll people. Meanwhile, Alabama um, in sort of like the Lane Kiffin. Uh, 
I, he said some comment like, you know, get your popcorn ready or something like that oh, for the show. We're gonna he's, put he's on and, those words, but I, 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 I don't blame him for doing it either, though. He was feeling it confident. Was 40 t- yeah, it was forty-two to twenty-one in a game that was not as close as it appeared on the scoreboard. If you're gonna say so, get your popcorn ready, you better back it up, and he did not. Dude, he did <laughs> not. Um, made some apparently some really kind of boneheaded. Uh, uh, game calls where you like went for it on fourth down and uh, deep in their I don't ter- hold, own I don't territory. Hold it against them. I don't hold it against uh, them. Uh, whatever it was, it, it was embarrassing to him sure. and to Ole Miss. But um, uh, speaking of embarrassing, number three Oregon, like they had their whole fate in front of them, you know, the destiny in their hands, and they they played a clunker against Stanford and lost in overtime 24 to 31. So Oregon number three goes down and, and they only leaves. dropped to eighth in the country, by the way, that's surprising. An, but un, it, an unranked team beats them in their own house and they, Oh no, wait, it was in Stanford. I think actually, I apologize. It was at Stanford. Yeah. 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 But, but still. in any case, in any case, um, leaves room for someone else to move up. Um, <laughs> wasn't Penn state. <laughs> well, left room for Ohio state to move ahead of them in, in the rankings too. It's true. It's true. You know, so, the team that um, beat them, they moved ahead of. Yeah. So, um, continuing the uh, the big game category, um, Cincinnati um, with a statement win against Notre Dame. They took out Notre Dame in their own stadium. Um, chaos in the rankings. A, a totally a potential now. Um, they they beat them twenty four to thirteen in a game that just Notre Dame never looked like they had it together. Cincinnati dominated in pretty much every phase of that are, game. Are we going to wait? Because by the way, you know Penn State. Our last opponent was Indiana. Cincy's before that was Indiana. So are we going to talk about Cincy Indiana and our we'll, common opponent? Are we'll we talk that about later? that. Okay, in the Indiana. That's fine. That's now. fine. Yeah, but. Um, uh, so c- continuing uh, with s- sort of the the upset train, Kentucky upset Florida twenty to thirteen on a uh, on a kick six. Uh, they blocked a, a kick and returned it back uh, for six to to win by a touchdown. Will Levis guiding the Wildcats? I wouldn't to... say that in this game, Will Levis was guiding them. <laughs> no, he, only had, he had less passing yards in that game than Florida had penalty yards. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, so Will, Will didn't lead them. He was a quarterback, but but he you know he didn't have a he's great game. Having a he's guiding their team to an undefeated team, and uh, Kentucky now and, uh, and they're showed also, up in the yeah Kentucky shows up in the AP rankings this team for the first time. Yeah, I and mean, that's impressive. Season. And by the way, I, I'm just going to say this: I, I don't gamble, but I have been giving gambling advice to my fantasy football <laughs> team, like or my fantasy football league. And I have been for like a couple weeks in a row killing it. And I called um, the big upsets. I called the the um, uh, the Oregon Stanford upset. I, I called the, uh, the the Kentucky Florida upset too. Um, but so Kentucky is also doing this with Will Levis, a transfer, another transfer, Wandale Robinson from Nebraska, mind you. So uh-huh. uh, those are two big time uh, uh, transfers. Wandale that Robinson hit their running back. No, right? uh, he's a, I believe he's a wide receiver, actually. Okay, okay. Um, and, um, so um, continuing the upset train, back, by the way. Sorry. Um, uh, Texas A&M uh, just cratering, lost to lowly Mississippi State 26-22, to dropping out of the rankings after being in the top 10 just two weeks ago. Mike Leach getting it done at Mississippi State. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, SEC... Um, you know, eating their own. I like it. Um, and then finally, um, uh, last note on the SEC, Auburn showing signs of life. Bo Nix uh, uh, 
directing a comeback win over LSU. It was uh, I didn't watch the game, but saw oh, some of the incredible. highlights. Uh, Bo Nix <laughs> deserves all the praise for every electric you know scramble. He on one play he ran like a hundred yards, evading multiple would be sack and tacklers, and put up. Uh, just he had composure. It's a great highlight. If it you, was if you amazing. Seen it, go look it up. It was incredible. And then uh, yeah, they they had a game winning drive to close out uh, the game and um, and uh, knocked off LSU. Um, so that's around the country. Here's uh, the Big Ten. Um, Wisconsin continues to have fourth quarter implosions, uh, playing Michigan closely until. Uh, the wheels fell off, and they um, they did fall to number fourteen, Michigan, thirty eight to seventeen. Um, They're, they are a tragedy at quarterback right now. It is so ugly. It's pretty. Pathetic. It's really bad. Um, and I, mean, I'll, I will say, spe- coaches could lose their jobs this season. Offensive coaches could lose their jobs in season. Maybe there. I don't know. It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, and I'll just say, speaking of uh, quarterbacks, um, Michigan uh, debuted somewhat of a passing attack in this game. So, um, so look With out, two maybe they're not. <laughs> yeah, not, maybe they're not as one-dimensional as they've shown up to this point. So, um, in fairness, uh, Wisconsin has shown themselves to be suspect in the deep the deep ball game, as we uh, showed in a, on a few plays against them as well. So, yeah, not a great yep. secondary for Wisconsin. Yeah. So, um, a couple other notables who will be playing later this season. Uh, number 17, Michigan State, took care of business over Western Kentucky, 48 31. That's a common opponent with Indiana. Um, and then um, number 11, Ohio State, looks like they've kind of, <laughs> you know, woken up and, you know, gotten back to playing Ohio State. They demolished Rutgers, uh, 52 to 13, um, a-, a team that, uh, Michigan, you know, had trouble with the week. I before. thought Rutgers was going to give a, a better game against Ohio it was, State. It I, may have be a letdown a game for Rutgers. It kind of might have been, but it was a home game too. Be, and and that that stadium was like ready for a good game against a solid Ohio State, and they wanted to prove that they belonged. And they did did my favorite saying: they crapped the bed. Yep. They crapped it. <laughs> Speaking of crapping the bed, <laughs> the, did you do that last night? <laughs> no, but the, the the last game we're going to talk about um, has some relevance to Penn State this some. week. <laughs> some significant relevance. <laughs> there you go. Uh, in a similar situation where you say, you know, like a um, an underdog team kind of uh, bringing in a highly ranked opponent, um, really excited to show what the team can do. Um, Maryland hosted number five Iowa this past week. Super highly anticipated. I think Iowa was was only favored by like two and a half points or something like that. And um, Iowa pulverized Maryland. I mean, just absolutely obliterated them. There were uh, seven turnovers, um, including five interceptions um, by Talia Tangavaloa. Um, Iowa put up 31 points in the second quarter alone. And just, oh man, it was... I was really kind of interested in seeing this to be a close game. You know, Maryland has some similarities perhaps to Penn State in their offensive attack and just, oh, it's just 
just well, bad. Well, at least, at the very least, you know, we, we learned about two of our upcoming opponents in this game, you know, and we learned a lot about Iowa because we're playing them this, this weekend, but we also get to learn about our division game with Maryland. I think, you know, learning as much about Maryland with common opponents is, is very helpful for us. Um, and yeah. being, a, being that we were viewed as a somewhat similar, I'm not, I don't think we're as similar to Maryland as some people would be uh, estimating that we are. I don't think we're as similar to Maryland and, and, but it, it, it does help us to know what Iowa is trying to do against kind of a similar team. I don't, I, Maryland, I don't think Maryland has the same talent level across the board that we do both on offense and defense. Um, yeah, but I think I needed a glean from, from that, that matchup on Friday night, which by the way, a Friday night matchup, it was Maryland's yeah. second Friday night matchup of the season. And Mike Loxley was livid about yeah, stupid having big played, 10. just like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and then when Fox. you lose, uh, uh, you lose that game on a Friday night after you were already ticked off that you're playing your second one. The Big Ten has some yeah. scheduling issues, man. I, we won't get into it right now, but even Penn State's on the the negative side of some of these scheduling like head scratchers. At the very least, they're head scratchers, and at most, they're they're almost like it's like, are you trying to cripple like some of our like ability to to be a competitive team with with how you're scheduling us? We haven't had a home. Um, conference uh, opener in years, dude. Yeah, so we, we're going to have to table that conversation for <laughs> another time. But um, nonetheless, my uh, ears. that that um, performance by Iowa was enough to convince voters uh, to, to um, leapfrog Penn State um, and, uh, and take over that spot that I'm fine um, with that. Oregon vacated Iowa now the number three team in the country. Penn State holds at number four, and Cincinnati uh, gaining um, you know right behind us uh, to number five. Um, Oklahoma's in at number six. But, I'm glad um, that since he didn't jump us. Not that it would have mattered actually, but five Big Ten teams in the top eleven. By the way, so yeah, that's that's something so fascinating. That's something, um, dude. Yeah, so so let's um, let's go ahead and put the the news and notes to bed for now. Good night, news and notes, <laughs> and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk we're gonna talk Indiana. Um, it, it was a significant win, bro. Yeah, correct. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> uh, I, I already mentioned it in the opening, but um, that puts us at five and zero, oh, and it's a, a perfect inverse of the 0 and 5 start that we had last year that 0 and 5 start which of course began with a loss to Indiana we uh, we put those um you know those phantoms to bed and um you know really showed ourselves to be the more dominant team in, in in pretty much every phase it was a good game in a lot of respects it was it was uh it, the defense really bailed us out a few times especially um when we I was there was one time I was like that's it you know like we're going to give up a score here there goes the shutout and the defense said nope and Arnold Abiketti's like I'm going to block another field goal no big deal here yeah, and it was it was a great performance um a lot of grit a lot of discipline um but it wasn't perfect right and you know as we've been sort of looking for that perfect game as we've been watching these games. We still haven't seen the perfect game yet. Well, the offense looked like they were getting it going, right? They did. And, and then they, they stopped getting it again. Going. They pooped and <laughs> and it's like it's like I need we need consistency. The consistency that Franklin keeps preaching week in and week out that we need to to, to have in order to be that next tier of team is consistency is what's really going to be, you know, taking us there. 
I, yeah. So what what I'd like to do is so we don't. I don't want to be overly critical of a team that shut out a right. strong opponent. Right. Um. But I also want to give a chance to kind of look at some of the things that need improvement. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to do highs and lows. And kind of look through each part of the game through the lens of what were some of the highs and what were some of the lows. Before you start that highs and lows, I just want to say, you know, when you talk about not being overly critical, and I just want to give some context to why it's okay to not be overly critical of this Penn State team in this position that they're in right now at being 5-0. and Because in my, by, by some estimations, you can say, hey... You know, we we actually may have already had three trap games on this schedule, with Indiana being one of them. I mean, obviously, we wanted to win that redemption game, so so to speak. But we we beat we beat Ball State in that trap game, be, be sandwiched between Wisconsin on the road and Auburn at home, whiteout, all this, that, and the other. A lot of eyes on those two games. Ball State could have easily been a trap game. Took care of business there. Then after that Auburn game, how many teams have letdowns after big games like that? Both teams, the winner or the loser, we answer the bell against Villanova. Won, won the game soundly, right? And then, and then we have this, uh, you know, Indiana sandwiched right be- or between uh, a possible letdown, but also this huge matchup before Iowa, right? It's like, yeah, and of course they knew going into the game that Iowa had just demolished. They watched Maryland. Friday night. They watched it. You know, they yep. watched it. Yeah, and so, they went in and took care of business with a shutout. And so it's like yeah. we potentially. You know, answer the bell against potential three trap games. You know, so yeah, yeah so there was a lot of good in this game. Um, just you know, even outside of that context, a lot of good things happened in this game, and there were some things that obviously still need some work. So here we go. Let's do highs and lows, and let's just start um, with you know really what's been the the spark of this team this year, which is Sean Clifford. And let's talk about highs and lows with Sean Clifford. Uh, there were some real highs in his performance this past Saturday, right? Well, what do you think they were? I mean, <laughs> t- I mean, he connected on two TDs with with um, his favorite target, which yeah, as we already talked about, right? right? You yeah. know, but the then Han. he also he also he moved in the pocket well. Um, in fact, you know, he did throw an interception, but it didn't obviously cripple our ability to win the game in any in any way. The defense took care of it after the fact, <laughs> but um, but three TDs and and he was uh, made really smart decisions with the ball when when like the, the plays weren't there, minus that one interception. So you're still seeing his his decision making being you know a factor in helping us manage helping him manage the game uh, of a winning ball ball team you know yeah I also think um, you mentioned his pocket movement which was really good but like building on that uh, we saw some scrambling ability for Clifford that was I think was you know. It's been there all season, but we saw it more against Indiana than we had. He picked up a couple of really long conversions with his leg, yep, kept yep. drives alive when all of his receivers recovered, and you know he was able to gain you know, 10, 12, 15 yards or whatever on the ground. I, I um, love seeing that from Clifford because last yeah, year we yeah. had to lean on his running ability for, for over 100 yards in that game, and it takes a toll on, on a guy who needs to be, you know, <laughs> healthy in the pocket rather than taking shots all the time running the ball. He got the yards he needs. He gets down and he slides or gets out of bounds. He's been doing that very well this season. Yeah, a lot of smart play. And, and again, on those um, – the other thing I wanted to say about uh, two of 
of his three touchdowns on the day is were, was he was starting to scramble outside of the pocket, and oh, what yeah. that did is that sucked up the defender who Dude, was guarding the guy he was ended up throwing the touchdown. Those things, to. those passes were things of beauty, man. Yeah, they really were. Like he that one where he threw to Brenton Strange, he w- looked like he was gonna run, and he faked out everybody that was around him, and then at the last second just stopped right at the line of scrimmage. Threw the ball perfectly to Brenton Strange. A very catchable ball. Only work Brenton Strange could catch it. It was great. And then that one to, to, to Jahan. To Jahan. <laughs> on the like, sideline there. Wow. Yeah, and that, the wow. guy who was covering Jahan was pretty covered pretty tightly. He <laughs> left Jahan yep. to come get yep. Sean. And then Jahan just flips it to I, that, him. That, I, mean, I was so yeah. worried that was going to be like an offensive holding or like even a, a man downfield illegally because that's what would have like in the past oh, right. stopped yeah. one of those positive plays from being, you know, negated and all that kind of stuff. But so um, let's talk about some of the lows, though. I mean, Clifford probably had his worst passing game to date. Okay, um, so here are some of the lows. He had his first, what I would say, a bad interception where mm-hmm. it, you know, it was deep in our own territory, gave them a very short field, and it was also like he wasn't under under duress. He just missed seeing the defender. Um, his completion percentage, ooh, took yeah. a big hit. It was only at fifty one percent for the game. Yeah, I wonder. Like, I, I don't uh, like. What do you estimate that like the reason for this I don't passing know. issue to I, be? That's a good. That's a good question. Uh, he also missed a couple of open receivers. Not, he missed some, a bunch. Like there were some really errant yeah, passes. Some errant passes. So some of that completion percentage was just. You know, Sean I think missing. that all kind of started with that interception. To be honest with you, it may have. He didn't look, may have. He didn't look bad prior to the interception. Um, he was hitting his targets and and you know moving the ball down the field. I think it kind of shook him a little bit, which you know not <laughs> not great, not good good in the confidence department. If we're going against the, the number one um, ball hawking team in the country with the yeah, hawk I'll, eyes, <laughs> that definitely is a worry for me. Um, you, you know, if, if there was some. Sort of mental block after that interception, you, you know, you, you got to shake that off. Sure. I also wonder if, you know, I mean, everyone knows that our passing attack is the most deadly part of our offense. And I wonder if just part of it is the way people are defending us, trying to make it harder for us to get openings, um, harder for our receivers to get loose, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, the tight ends were pretty quiet in the passing Extremely game. Extremely minus, minus uh, Brenton Strange in the end zone. In fact, Brenton Strange had another touchdown catch that was called back for a penalty, uh, a little shuffle pass. But yeah, it, you know those big seam passes, the 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 crossers, the you know the the deep posts that sometimes. And I uh, and I wonder, just, I wonder, uh, uh, maybe I'm just like hoping and trying to fit these re- excuses into to what's going on. But I wonder if it's like they're just not trying to show too much before a big game again. You know, yeah, I like the, it, how they much think of it they can is win this way, and then management as opposed to as opposed to um, poor execution is a great question. Well, that that leads us though to our run game, okay? And uh, let's do highs and lows on the run game. Here for me is one of the big highs is we're over two hundred yards rushing against uh, a power five football team. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's, I mean that's a big deal, right? It is it? It's I mean, and Indiana has played us very close and has had a very solid defense in the last several years. So I, I I think that's very helpful to have at least gotten the running game to click a little bit more than normal this season, which has not been clicking hardly at all. Our our longest run of the season, uh, Kevon Lee uh, looked great on the uh, when he was in there. He had a forty four yard run and had a couple of other really good runs. I think he had seven carries for seventy four yards. You know, something like that, yeah. But like the head scratcher there is still like, why did he only have have seven carries when he was clear? Like the committee is now a four person committee. I thought we were only supposed to use three backs. Yeah, they're whatever they're saying in you know the press time. They're not following through in the game. Like I think even uh, coming out of half, that Franklin had a quote saying, you know, I'm going to go with whichever running back has the hot hand. Didn't do that. And like Kevon clearly had the hot hand, but Noah Kane seemed nope. to get the majority of snaps. In I don't. The second I don't know half. if we want to get into all this Noah Kane running back talk right now. I think. Well, we'll just, yeah. Yeah. Go. So I think let's let's the lows of this run game are in spite of the fact we ran for two hundred yards. Um, you, you know Noah Kane, uh, you know who you and I were really excited to see. He just hasn't seemed right. Um, his speed, his quickness, his power just hasn't seemed to have been there. Um, he doesn't look like our best running back right now, but he's no. still getting the majority of the carry. He, he's dinged up, man. He still is. He can't cut. You can tell he's just like, he's taking contact and like, just kind of like cowering to it. He's not running over anybody like he was in that Iowa game two years ago when he was commanding our four minute offense. You know, it just—he's not falling forward. He's not getting upfield. He's not turning his shoulders to the to the line of scrimmage. It's just—it doesn't look like it did when he was healthy in 2019, and that's unfortunate because I think that if he were, he could be dominant. Yeah, I, another low in the run game is that outside of those two long runs and the Clifford scrambles, there just was not a lot of consistency. So our our. You know, yards per carry and our total yards were high, but that was pretty skewed by, you know, uh, you know, a couple of sort of big plays. And I read, I read, um, and one of the offensive players said that that the run game is designed to get five to ten yards per rush. <laughs> and right. like, we're not getting that on unmo- like it's you know we're being held to two yards or less. Way, way too often uh, still. Well, but for what it's worth, though, it, it, the the stats in this Indiana game apparently are five yards per rush against Indiana. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, you t- Kayvon had that 40-yard rush. Sure. He had that 20-yard rush. Clifford had a bunch of, like, plus 10-yard rushes. You take those things out, right, and, and those other sort of – run-of-the-mill running I mean, game rushes. I get it. it I was, get it. It was low. I get you know? it. I get and it. And here, here was the thing that was blowing my mind, and, and maybe yours as well, as I, if I remember correctly. Like, why are we continuing to run the ball when it's so unproductive? Like, are we just... I, I think I, I think there's a couple of reasons why. And yeah, I, why think, I think the, uh, the first one and the most important one is these guys have to have experience with getting this run game going. They can't just, like... Flip us. They're not able to flip a switch and make it happen against Iowa. They need practice and they need it in game. So you can't just abandon the run if it doesn't work. If you expect to get yeah. the run game better in game, you can do it all you want in practice. It's not the same as in the game. So, but the other thing is, like, I, I mean, you also controlled the ball for 35 minutes out of that game, you know, and so you were able to limit the chances that Indiana was on the field. And so you're limiting the amount of you know, wear and tear your defense has before a big 
like matchup against uh, Iowa. Like the defense could get worked mm, I, in a game like I Iowa. Think, uh, those are both very good points, and um, I guess I'm just frustrated because you know all of that sort of pounding the ball just doesn't. We don't. I mean, yeah, we had two decent runs. But well, Eric Wilson at that guard position, uh, Ju- Juice Scruggs at the other guard position, those guys didn't play with Penn State at all last year. Juice, Scru- Juice Scruggs was injured all last year. Uh, our, our center, um, is it Menner? Uh, no, wait, Menner graduated. It's uh, M- Mike Miranda. I'm sorry. They're both yeah. MM names. Um, but um, so, th- and he's playing a new position this year. And this is, Mike Yurcich's. Fifth game of the season with Penn State and this offense. So these guys are all still feeling all this out. Like, dude, Joe Moorhead's offense wasn't really, really actually clicking for us until like the fifth, sixth, and seventh games of the season. All right. So let's put it into context of like we're five and zero, not two and two, and this yeah. offense is yeah. doing is, is is performing well enough to win games pretty well, okay? And and I think that you should allow them to climb these rungs of experience, um, and and they're gaining they're gaining momentum, and and you know this is the best run game we've had all season. And we've had the past game look great in other games this season. And now we're building a complement of, of tools to go forward in this season. Yeah, and right? I guess um, it's nice to continue developing those things while also winning games. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's what I'm so saying. So there are a lot of teams that have we didn't not. We have to deal with getting our asses kicked by Michigan <laughs> and losing yeah. a heartbreaker to Pittsburgh, you right. know, to have to right. learn Very these lessons. Very good point. Uh, referencing that 2016 right. season, Lear- and and learning while winning, like here's like it's tough to learn while winning, right? It's tough, but this team has shown it. It's showing that it is. Well, I can't believe that it's taken this long to talk about our defensive performance. Uh, but speaking of highs and lows, and speaking of the reason why we continue to win as our offense develops, that defense, dude, it just continues to yeah. show its its dominance. I mean, in a lot of ways, it feels like the defense is sort of putting this team on its back with its intensity uh, and, and determination. I mean... I don't know that there are any lows for this defensive performance. It's it's all just incredible. Um, yeah. You know, Penix, yeah, he's struggled. Indiana, yeah, they've struggled. But that's these are dynamic athletes, great playmakers, and we shut them out. Yeah. Shutout, baby. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't you can't argue with a shutout when the offense has produced twenty four points. Did twenty four a twenty four to nothing? win for Penn State like a decade ago would have been like a phenomenal game. Yeah. A phenomenal game, especially against yeah. a division opponent, you know? Yeah, and I'll say Indiana's defense was very tenacious and, you know, they they did not look like a bunch of pushovers either. Let's put so, it this way. If you lost a, a, this this game against a division opponent, kiss kiss the conference championship goodbye. You know? You're probably like I don't see Penn State running the table after losing to Indiana, and we just looked solid. Like we looked solid. We looked. Yeah. There was never a point in this game where it felt like Indiana was doing. No. Yeah. Yeah. So and and credit the defense for that. Um, you know, uh, among other things, and credit uh, they, Indiana's defense by the way too. Indiana's yeah, defense played us pretty well. Say. Yeah. 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 Right. So, but but for our defense, um, couple couple of things stand out. First of all, two interceptions. 
Um, Joey Porter Jr. on an amazing play. Um, Indiana was starting to get a drive going. They were across midfield, and um, Michael Penix threw uh, threw a ball up uh, deep, and um, Joey Porter Jr. just read the pass, made a tremendous sliding, like kind of like you know center field catch, sliding out of bounds to mm-hmm. um, to get possession back, and um, it, yeah, it was a great great play. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big JPJ fan. I think he has the ability to to continually keep this defense dangerous because he can more or less lock down his side of the field in man to man coverage. And and then you factor in those safeties. That's only helping a guy like JPJ. Um, you know. Do his job. He can he can do his job with confidence when he knows he's got Brisker or Jair Brown back there. So it's yeah. Second, secondly, we were um, putting pressure on the quarterback all day, so much so that um, we actually knocked Penix out of a game on a sack, and it yeah. wasn't a dirty play or anything like that. Um, just um, just shoulder. tracking him. It's yeah, shoulder tracking him down. It's and, unfortunate that he that guy can't stay healthy because I think if he had, and dating back to last year, which I think is still lingering for him this year with his ability to be the kind of player, the, the dynamic athlete that he showed for the first half of last year, um, it's it's unfortunate for him. Uh, and then you know, just add one more injury to the list. So that's that sucks. But you know, the first play of the game for their backup Tuttle comes oh, in yeah. and. and Arnold Ebiketti has a like highlight reel r- sock rocking like l- knocked him out of his shoes up off the ground. It was probably borderline targeting because he kind of launched and hit him kind of in his helmet to neck area. But the refs didn't call it. Thank heavens! And yeah. it was a great sack, a great play. And you know, I mean, welcome course, to the you know, game five dude, ten right? years ago. <laughs> five ten, yeah. Welcome to the welcome to Beaver Stadium. Welcome to Happy Valley. Yeah, so so um, as a team uh, for rushing, we we held them uh, to under seventy yards rushing for the night and under two hundred yards passing. Um, in fact, it was a lot lower than that until the last drive, where they just you know we kind of we kind of lightened up a little bit and they got a couple of completions, yeah. but um, just just very stifling. Um, the there was one time all day that that Indiana really seemed uh, like they were threatening, um, and that was after that Sean Clifford interception was returned to the thirteen yard line. Yep, and um, on a short field, our defense made a huge red zone stand. Um, Tom Allen, their coach, elected to go for it on fourth down, which I think is a very defensible call because I think they were down just seven nothing and they wanted to say hey we're in this game you know and um so our defense uh made a huge stand stuffed them on fourth down and then you know what our offense went and and took a you know 90 some yard drive back the other way to score our second touchdown and make it 14 nothing so a huge momentum shifting play again the defense just basically deciding uh uh-uh, uh you're not going to do it yeah and and then along that defensive line they did a great job all game and 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 i think you know of course Arnold Ebiketti you know he had uh, uh, that that sack was incredible um but <laughs> dude PJ Mustafer had six total tackles, four solo, and he had a tackle for loss. He was very stout in in the run game and in the game and all game long, eating up uh, you know double teams. And he's really kind of proving himself to be that guy on our defensive line that has taken the next leap in, in, on the interior of the line. And we we've needed him to do that. And he looks like he's starting to turn the corner for being a dominant defensive tackle. Yeah, I, I mean. 
I think here's the thing that's coming to me right now. You know, we were just talking about the offense and and looking for consistency on the offense, trying to put it all together. This what's standing out to me right now about this defense is they've been consistent all season long. PJ Mustafer, Arnold Epichetti, you know, uh, Jesse Lucada, the the defensive backfield, our linebackers, like they're just playing consistently lockdown defense you know every game doesn't yeah. matter the opponent they're there, just there, there it, is one there is one and that's all true Andy and I and I'm I'm with you on that but there is one thing that I think that that, that would could ch- totally change our, our defense in being like a a just lockdown like maybe one of the best in the country we are in the conversation of best in the country but that Georgia like caliber they're like the Dude, next we're, tier. we're second I'm in not, the country I'm with, not saying scoring offense I'm not saying we're not great uh, scoring I'm not, defense I'm not saying we're not great I'm saying what can make us even better than the great we are is if Brandon Smith takes his game to the next I agree. level he is he is in position to be making like you know <laughs> monster plays monster plays and he's just missing on he's him whiffing a little he's just bit. missing just, on him and yeah. and he needs to like Micah played downhill man he played like fearless downhill like instinctual downhill Brandon Smith's not letting his instincts uh, control him he is he is getting his he's letting his instincts put him in position and then he's just holding the area you know he's and yeah. he's he's not really. He's not really just like playing with that pure fire that Micah did. And I'm not trying to compare him to Micah, but it's hard not to. Brandon Smith has the athletic ability and and the fundamentals to be able to do that. And I just, if he does, this defense could be just, I mean, make he could be yeah. blowing plays up left and right, interceptions for touchdown, sack, strip sacks, they're all there for him. They're all there for him. And yeah. he's just on the precipice of being able to do that. Well, let's hope his coaches are working with him and hope hope he's. I mean, can he be that, that player in right? Iowa and make uh, that would these be awesome. Flat, I mean, I I want to see it. I I want to see him unlock his potential in this. Game. All right, Let, so we couldn't say enough about the defense. We we could keep going on him, but I I also want to highlight uh, speaking another high point of the day and really of the season for the most part. We don't talk about him enough, unfortunately. We don't. <laughs> um, the special teams and. Um, unfortunately, from a spectator, a Penn State fan, there were a lot of punts in this game. There were six punts. There was definitely a field position kind of approach in this game. But you know what? Um, Jordan Stout, he could definitely have been a player of the game kind of uh, candidate because every single time he punted the ball, it was a great punt. Um, pin them deep. It was a field position flipping kind of deal like here are his punts on the day in order uh 50 yard punt out of bounds at the 14 51 yard punt fair catch at the 9 42 yard punt fair catch at the 11 46 yard punt fair catch at the 36 that uh punt was from our own 20 by the way in the second half a 43 yard punt fair caught at the 12 and the last one of the day a 43 yard punt fair caught at the 23 45 and at 45.8 yard uh, punt on average. Four of the six were inside the 20. And here's the big one of the day. Uh, Ty Freifogel, dangerous return man, zero return yards. Dangerous player in general, and he he yeah. was a kind of a no-show. No factor in the game. And by the way, oh yeah, Jordan Stout added a 50-yard field goal right down the center. That's awesome. Uh, to boot. And he had he had it, room. He had room. 
Oh man, he had so much room. Yeah. But the fact that it was on, you know, right on the line, I mean, that that's an improvement over the start of the season for sure. Yeah, man. So congratulations uh, to Jordan Stout um, on his great special teams day. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a unit that will be very critical in this game against Iowa. Very critical to be to be continuing to perform that way in all phases. Yeah. So um, so let's before we jump into Iowa, we have um, some new uh, mailbag questions and so let's open up the mailbag and um it's that time mailbag time Uh, so we have a first time mailbagger uh, in uh, Adam Wolf. Adam, thanks for writing in. And um, here's his question, bro. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you take it. Uh, Adam says, "I've got a theoretical question for you both. If Penn State loses Saturday to Iowa and then wins out and has a rematch in the Big Ten championship game, would that be enough in your mind to still make the college football playoff?" Personally, if they're going to lose any games this year, in my mind, this is the one to lose to set up this scenario. Listen, I don't like this question right now. <laughs> um, I don't think that it's something that the team is remotely even thinking about, and rightfully so, um, because the the mentality for Franklin and this team is one and zero. Okay, one and zero. However, I am not a part of the team, so I have the benefit of being able to address that without ruining the team's ability to focus on Iowa this weekend. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it, you know, if, I'm, if I step back and look at the schedule, we've got number three Iowa. we got to play at Iowa. We've got number – what it, what is – what is Ohio State now? They're they're uh, ranked, eight or something. They're like ranked that, seventh. Maybe? We have number seven Ohio State on the road. And then we have number nine Michigan <laughs> um, at, at home. And then we have to play Michigan State. They're ranked 11th. Uh, in um, at Sparty Stadium, so we have a ridiculous gauntlet in front of us. But if we were to have to pick one game to lose, you want to lose the cross division game. That's absolutely bottom line. You, we, if we want the chance to win our division, like this game doesn't matter in that whole like just looking at wins and losses in the division. This game, if you run the table in the if division, if you run the table is. afterwards, obviously, yes, yeah. You, the, if you lose another game after this Iowa game, kiss it goodbye. Especially if it's against Ohio State. Yeah, you'd rather have one loss than two losses overall. Yeah. But if you're going to have one, one loss. Just one. Because you then, want you, it to then be, you're likely, yeah. not definitely, but likely going to end up rematching Iowa in the conference championship game. Um, and there's all these, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, it's hard to, to beat a team twice. If we beat Iowa and then they're in the Big Ten championship game, it's hard to beat a team twice. So if you're yeah. going to lose one of them, you hope it's here right now. Yeah, you lose the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. So, um, and then a related question also, this is from Adam, and this will close him out. Um, so you're saying you agree with me on all that, Andy? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, all um, right. Uh, he, Adam also asks, do you think Iowa jumping us to number three and being favored will be enough fuel for our guys to get a win in such a hostile environment? Thanks, and we are. Penn State. So, um, yeah, thanks for writing in, Adam. Um, and they're both great questions. So to answer that, here's what I'll say. I'm not going to say that it, it, it definitively gives us the fuel to beat Iowa because I think we can lose the game. Um, you know, I think this is a pretty, pretty straight-up matchup. I think we're both pretty even in a lot of respects. But as far as the, the fuel to, 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 you know, with, with them jumping us in the polls, I, I like it better than us being ahead of them in the polls. 
so I'll take that more than I will if we were number three. But as far yeah, as I, as far as us giving it, get, if, as far as it giving us the fuel, I don't think it comes from them jumping. We're not going to get the fuel from this this leapfrog that they just did over us in the poll. It, it's going to be what they did to us last year, and it's going to be what this team has is t- trying to accomplish week in and week out. It has nothing to do with where Iowa sits in the polls. But I do. I am happier that they jumped us than than us, you know, moving forward to number three in the poll. Yeah, I really think that um, the advantage is that it it keeps us humble and hungry. Um, I think okay. if there's been if there's been any danger of this team, it's that they think too highly of themselves. A little, little I, overconfidence, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that happened last year. I think that's what happened to the Indiana game to start the season last year was overconfidence. Yeah, and I think they're staying focused. But at, I mean, when you're a a top five team, it can be really easy to start believing your own hype. You know, I mean, let's think, look at the way that people are talking about, you know, even Jahan Dotson, for example, you know, it's, it can be dangerous when you start rat to believe poison. your own PR, right? Rat exactly. Poison. Yeah, Nick right. Saban calls it rat poison. So, you know, that knowing Franklin's that people, mentioned it, Franklin's mentioned it in the press. And, yeah. and when he's mentioned it to the press, he's talking to his players. He has mentioned that he is, he thought that after the Villanova win, he's like, these, these players are reading their, their own praises in the, in the press. And, and from what I, I heard some rumblings that after the Indiana win, that some of the offensive team, uh, like Clifford and some other players were like coming off the field pissed off. Like they left stuff on the table. Like they, they left plays on the field and that they weren't satisfied with their performance. So, you know, I don't know if they are reading their own press clippings to the point of being feeling overconfident. I think they know they can play better and they're not going to get better by reading their praises. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm not concerned about it. Um, and I think, I think doesn't mean I'm not concerned it, about Iowa. <laughs> Does no, not no, but, but with their I think it's an. I think it can only be good, and maybe if Iowa also goes into this game thinking they're they're you know I mean think about it they just blew away a Maryland team that they were it was supposed to be a tight game and maybe they're thinking a little bit overconfident right now too. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Um, all right, last mailbag question. This is a, a one from Rudy Glocker that we didn't get to last week. Rudy asks. What we're all asking. Yeah. <laughs> um, how can Penn State improve its third down performance, especially in third and short? And I'll add fourth and short, which is one of the lows we didn't get to. We got stuffed on a, a goal line, fourth and goal uh, from the one. Um, bro. So for what, what can, it's worth, what can be done? For what it's worth, we were two for three on fourth down and uh, on fourth downs against Indiana. Obviously, that goal line was our, our where we missed the the fourth and short on the goal line was the one that we didn't get there. But for third downs, we were six for sixteen, which is not great. But you know, this season we haven't heard a lot of of you know people complaining about our third down efficiency I don't think I think and that maybe that's because we're winning games and I don't have all the stats of, of what our third down efficiency is this season um, but here's what I think will help um, a Noah Kane doesn't have the burst that he's had it you know that he had in 2019 when he was healthy um, and he, he's not he's not capable of making cuts he's dinged up I, I think that's a I think that's kind of uh, handicapping us when it comes to these third down plays. I don't know why you keep trotting him out there if, if the proof is in, in the pudding with him. Ha- here's another interesting thing that happened in this game. We picked up a third down or two, or maybe even, maybe even a fourth down 
with Clifford under center and the running back with Kevon Lee running directly at the line of scrimmage, getting upfield with his 239-pound body and pushing forward. So it, to me, it's like, A, thank you, Yursich, for bringing the, uh, the the quarterback under center for the first time in, I, since John Donovan was the offensive coordinator. And, and like, I just, I think that these whole, like, if you're punching the, like, stringing the plays out, um, you know, laterally along the line of scrimmage in the backfield, that's a recipe. We don't have Saquon Barkley right now or Miles Sanders or Journey Brown who's able to make these hard cuts. You've got players that need to go forward towards the first down. Get upfield and get a first down. That's what I think we need to do. Yeah, I so I've got uh, two thoughts on this. Number one, um, too many third and longs still. Um, our inefficiency on first and second down is a, is a, is an issue. Agreed. And I think some of that has been um, because we're trying to run the ball on first and second down and not doing it successfully. So when you have a third and long, it's really hard to be efficient. But I think then, secondly, on third and short, um, we still aren't able to get enough push in the run game uh, to reliably get the third and short in the run. When we've been most successful on third down, I feel like is when we're passing the ball. I and think- it's been... Sorry, I was going to say it's interesting to to note that we have. It feels like we've been going away from the short passing game a little bit, and um, I wonder if we'll, especially in these sort of critical situations, I wonder if we'll get back to that a little bit more. What makes you say you think we are getting away from the short passing game? Because, because quite frankly, uh, we didn't throw the ball deep uh, in that in the Indiana game. I feel like we were. I feel like we were throwing a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage, but like the oh, you mean the, the quick, the, you mean the one to the five quick outs yard. and the short crossers, yeah, the, the, like we're Keandre Lambert Lambert's out there catching some of those and getting exactly. up along the sideline or whatever, yeah, yeah, well, the, well, so the for, high percentage uh, short yardage passes. Um, what is worth? I think yeah. Indiana's cornerbacks were playing us pretty well, um, but but here I think I think for Gursich's like offensive. Um, just mentality. I think he he needs the run game to work for his pass game to be even more effective than what it has shown so far. Um, because well, he's his, certainly been very, 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 very. Well, the determined. Oklahoma State offenses. I, I mean, when he was having Justice Hill running for fifteen hundred yards, thirteen hundred yards a season, I think that was critical to um, to Mason Rudolph's ability to throw downfield was uh, the the threat of the running because yeah, you have to defend the run. So I think he's really wanting it to work, and he needs it to work for it to be as effective in the pass game as what we can be. Because we have offensive pass weapons, but if they are only, you know, if they're dropping eight every game like they have done in some of these games, and they're they're getting they're stuffing our run game with three and four down linemen, it's like the numbers don't work out. So he's got to make yeah. people respect the run. All right. So we'll see how that shakes out against Iowa. Yep, great question, Rudy. And um, yeah, we'll see if they can make some progress this week as we turn to Iowa. And uh, boy, oh boy, um, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm super excited and super uh, nervous for this game. It is a it is an exciting game. It's a this first is what, time. This is what's great about college football, though, when you're nervous about a big time matchup. Like, it's how only Monday. Is and Penn I'm, State to be in a position really, like this. So, was it last time? I think it was the last time Penn State played in a top five 
uh, battle in the regular season it goes all the way back to that 99 season that we talked about um, where they, I think Penn State was number three playing Arizona number two. No, I don't think that's true. Am I wrong? Arizona I, was number four and Penn State was number two. Okay. But, well, but no, case. no. I think the last time we were in a top five matchup was 2017 Penn State, Ohio State. At Ohio well, State. Some, when we, well, someone... Don't you someone, remember uh, that? I, yeah, no, no. You're, you may be right, dude. But, I was at um, the game. I, I was at I the game. I, I thought I read that um, somewhere in, in one of the articles I read. But anyway, the point is, this is a huge deal for Penn oh, State. Oh, we were ranked eight in the, going into that game. I there apologize. you go. I am there so you sorry. Go. <laughs> so maybe I was right. <laughs> maybe. <But> in any <laughs> case, <laughs> any case, look, this is a huge game. You know, on top of the fact that Iowa is always a tough game, right? I mean, they... Iowa really, in terms of our cross division, uh, a team that that has really, really seemed to have our number. Iowa's been it um, the whole time we've been in the Big Ten. Iowa's going to make us play Iowa football. They have made us play Iowa football time and time again, man. And we are in. We are in for a classic blue collar type of smash mouth game. I'm I I'm so excited for this game. It's it's I it's this is this is classic. I mean, two vintage uniforms at a vintage stadium. You know, you're going to the sun's going to set on this game. It's it's the all the eyes in the whole country will be looking at this. It's got college football playoff impl- implications. It's got Big 10 championship implications and it's Kirk Ferentz still at the helm, keeping his team relevant with defense and solid, you know, game managing offensive play. I, I, I don't think it gets any better, to be honest with you. And, yeah, and, and what, Kirk- what, a, what, a, what a, you know, opportunity to. Yeah, we we played Wisconsin on the road, and we, call, you know, we answered that call. But going into Kinnick in a top four matchup against, you know, after five games in the season, we know what these teams are more so, and the stakes yeah. have just been elevated. All right. Oh, man, the stakes are super high. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that on that five-game losing streak last year, uh, who was our last loss of that streak? Iowa, man. Iowa. It was Iowa. And, and that was and, and that we was, yeah. looked pathetic of, I mean, of all Clifford, the games. Clifford didn't start the game. That's, That's how right. bad we were. Clifford did, so so this is like a total uh, this season is so weird with the op- way these opportunities are presenting itself to atone and have re- you know redeem ourselves from the way things went last year and when they we were all-time Penn State in history, all-time low. 0 and 5, all-time low. All-time low. And nope, we have never had happened before. There have only been 3 teams in history, in, in recorded history, um, that have gone from zero and five to five and zero from one season to the next. That's um, crazy, dude. And, Penn, and the last time was in like the, I think like the early sixties, and it was like, like Saint Mary's. It was like you know, and then oh and then, then then one before that was like in the thirties, and it was like I don't recall who it was to be honest with you. I don't have the, the information in front of me, but I know that there's only been like <laughs> two other teams in the last century, essentially. So this is yeah, look, this look, Penn State the, team is the, like you know, you know, defying all the odds. Yeah, the 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 process continues. The um, you know, it's not so much a revenge tour, right? It's like it's more of a redemption tour. It's a, it's more it's like, of it's like revenge proving against to ourselves. our former selves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, it's like the, we're re- getting revenge against our zero and five team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sort of like you know, for most athletes, like the most important competition is the competition with yourself, and like this has right. been right. the sort of the determination to show 
you know, ourselves, show Penn State fan base, show the Penn State coaches, so each player to show themselves that last year was not what defined them. And, um, you know, so, I mean, again, Iowa just, they dominated us last year. We, we looked, we looked so out of sorts against them. And, um, so this is going to be it was like a, a chance Jekyll and again. Hyde. It was, we were like Jekyll and really? Hyde in that game, you know? Yeah. And, right. and like each quarterback was Jekyll and Hyde at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, right. Levis like, had three fumbles and lost two of them, and Clifford threw two interceptions, one after eight. And incredible, Clifford's first two passes were like touchdown passes, weren't they? With like an interception like yeah. sandwiched in between or something. It was uh, so weird. Yeah. So so, and that was again that was in Beaver Stadium, by the right. way, a totally empty Beaver Stadium. Right, right. And, you know. So, um, but you know, again, this schedule is lining up. For us to continue the testing process, as you were saying before, you know, climbing the ladder, one more rung on the ladder. And uh, we were talking earlier, and I was saying, you know what this is like? Is this like the boss level on like one of those old school video games where like, yep. you know, you're going through the levels and you're picking up like, you know, new skills and new armor and new kind you're of upgrading things. upgrading this and, like, and upgrading that. And then you finally have all the tools to beat the boss. <laughs> beat the boss. And you go into the boss level and you're like, And the layer, the boss's layer. <laughs> yeah, Here we are going right, into because, the boss's layer. <laughs> it's true. Because like, you know, think about Wisconsin. Right at Wisconsin, very defense heavy team, very disciplined defense, very run heavy team. And then Auburn, you get Auburn, a better quarterback with really good run game, you know, with some high stakes nationally televised good defense. Good defense. And yeah. and we passed both of those tests. We learned a lot about ourselves. We found ways to win those games. But now to me, this uh, the first half of the schedule. How cool is that? Closing out the first half, definitely the biggest challenge we faced thus far. Again, it's a top five matchup. Uh, first time, by the way, first fo- top five matchup in the Big Ten that doesn't involve either Ohio State or Michigan in the regular season, going back all the way to 1962. So, you know, but yeah. this Iowa team is for real, and it's going to give us another chance to show. How good we really are. Is this Penn State team as good as we all think and hope? Uh, can they match up? Can they get themselves up? Can they play with discipline and with detail and focus? Uh, this well, is going to be a real battle, man. Did you mention like what we've done uh, against Iowa and Kinnick recently in years past? Or no, we haven't. So, we haven't touched on that. So, it, it, for what it's worth, if you had, didn't say this, I, I kind of I may have tuned out for a split moment. But we th- we lead the series in Big Ten since we've joined the Big Ten. We lead the series eleven to ten. So this is an equalizer game for Iowa, if that even matters whatsoever. You know, it probably doesn't. But that's just interesting information to note. Um, but that's also just to show how Iowa's played us. In our, you know, at our matchups over the last, you know, thirty years or whatever, um, so so we've won the last two in Kinnick, okay, and three of the last three of the last, and they were by the way they, they have not birds. been they were yeah, close they have, we were, yeah not dominant close. but th- and three of the last five games at Iowa have been a touchdown or less margin. And we are two and one in those three games with a three and two overall record in the last five at Kinnick. So Kinnick is a house of horrors um, for, uh, and by the way, I said house of horrors. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I had to, had to clarify. And so, uh, you know, um, I, I, yeah, was, there's some, there's some funky um, voodoo. There in is Kinnick. typically with a lot of their other opponents, but we, um, we, ha- we prior to last season, 
we were on a six-game winning streak overall between 2011 and 2019. So we kind of had their number for the last six times we played them, no matter where it was. It's just last year was our the end of the end of that chaos in that 05 in that 05 uh, start ended with that Iowa debacle, and it was in our own house. So, but I kind of like remove that from and Franklin and this team has removed a lot of last. Well, here, from here's their a question, though, bro. Let me let me stop you there for a second. Does does that record that you just said, you know, we were on a on a winning streak against Iowa. We've kind of found a way to to beat Iowa aside from last year. Does that give you any confidence or is that like all out the window because you know, this Iowa team seems to be on a different level. They seem to be more Iowa than Iowa's been in a long time. It gives me a smidgen of confidence. <laughs> well, it does. I mean, dude, we, we have, what are we, 11 and one or 11 and two against Indiana all time or whatever it was? It was like, or tw- it was maybe more than that, but like, that's who we've proven to be against Indiana, more or less. So, I, but at the same time, last season they beat us. So, does all that go out the window every year? Probably does to a certain degree. You got to play, you got to play the game every week. Want to know? Yeah, well, so, so well, maybe it's all out the window. One of the things that like says what maybe there's something to these patterns is that guess who's still at the helm? Kirk Ferenz. Um, I'm pretty sure. Ferenz or Ferenz? Whatever. Ferenz. Yeah, sorry. Sure. Ferenz is um, Ferenz. Ferenz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he's got. Uh, he's, got the, he's, <laughs> uh, he's got the longest. Uh, he's the longest active coach in the FBS right now. He is, um, he is becoming, you know, legend. He, he's a yeah. Um, and, and he really he embodies Big Ten football, right? Big Ten football with the the big lines controlling the trenches. Big Ten football. Yeah, Ohio State doesn't pound. embody Big Ten football anymore. Right. The, you know, how, how it's been traditionally. But uh, ball control with ferocious defense. Right. Um, look, this is their – he's got them at their best ranking since 2015 when they were ranked third going to the Big Ten championship game against Michigan State. You can bet Iowa is really, really excited. And it all starts for Iowa with their – Tremendous defense. Yeah, it, that that is the that is the name of the their game is tremendous defense and uh, tremendous in the sense that they cripple an offense by taking the ball away. They the it's like a it, the first interception against Maryland. You know, it puts a puts a giant crack in the in the dam. The second one, the waters begin to pour through, and the third one, it's just like good luck, good night. <laughs> Yeah, just a flood. Yeah, uh, that that those those turnovers is what led to those um, thirty one uh, points. By the way, um, in be- sandwich in between uh, interceptions was a fumble on a kickoff return uh, that also knocked out their leading wide receiver, maybe for the year. The way I <laughs> looked at that, um, and he wasn't just a leading injury. wide receiver in the uh, on their team. He was a, one of the best in the Big Ten, and potentially was you know lobbying to be one of the best in the country um, when it comes to maybe draftability. Yeah. So 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 uh, Iowa just. I, I mean, look, they're the best team in the country in terms of turnovers. All right, by far. Um, by far. Like we're 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 not bad. We're we're back there. We're we're like we're. Uh, I think, you know, we're we're in the top twenty somewhere. And we've had we've we've gotten nine turnovers. They've gotten twelve, I believe. So we're we're there. 
Yeah. So, so the, uh, the Hawkeyes are, um, legitimate ball Hawks and, uh, they get to the ball, they, they strip it, they enter, they pull it out of the air. Um, and and, they make um, it pay with some touchdowns on top of it too. Yeah. Right. They, they're, um, scoring defense in in terms of like (laughs) points that their defense has scored is, is, is also a major part of their game and, and, you know, get their, put their offense, which doesn't really light it up, but put, gives their offense a short field to work with. Um, and then also, you know, yeah, taking the ball out of the um, opposing offense's hands. It's really hard to win games Dude, they, when you're... They, look, they've got... Think about this. 16 turnovers in five games. That's an average of three turnovers per game yep. that they're forcing. Tw- yeah, and and 23 passes defended to go along with that. <laughs> so, I mean, their, their secondary can can play the ball. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not perfect. They, they, they can give up plays, um, in the, in the past game, but they certainly also make a ton of splash plays that can totally flip, flip the tide, flip momentum. And, and, and then, like you said, the, 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 the flood, floodgates open and the, and the waters come, come rushing down and and you're drowning before you know it. Yeah. I mean, when, when you look at some of their rankings, uh, you know, 192 return yards, dude. Like Jeez. just off of interceptions, 200, 200, That's that's like, I mean, two whole lengths of the field just in interceptions alone. Wow, man. Yeah. So so you know you stack up their defensive stats and like yeah they're they're not number one or two in a lot of categories but they're they're very well near the top top twenty percent in a lot of categories plus the number one in turnovers. Well, they're um, number two in scoring defense. Yeah. Right. That's. I mean, Ouch. Georgia. Iowa, and then right behind Iowa at number three is Penn State in scoring defense. So, I mean, you want to talk about, like, a possible very low-scoring game and maybe ugly offensive games for both teams? (laughs) Who's going to bend the most? Who's going to break? Who's going to bend and then break? Yeah. And here's the other thing. Like, you know, I'm not following Iowa closely. So this is a little bit uninformed, but there, there's not any specific uh, player playmaker on the Iowa defense that's being talked about nationally. Well, I right? mean, there, there was that week that Riley Moss had two interceptions and one was. Ret- I think they were. He had two interceptions for touchdowns in the same game. <laughs> All right, so so he's dangerous. They're they're getting interceptions from from a from few of these guys that are know what the heck they're doing with the ball, man. They have they have. Let's see here. I think they have three. Play three players with at least two interceptions on their team already through five games. Yeah, so so that's kind of part of what I was saying is that yeah, you know, while the some guys will make some headlines in the games on the whole, you know, it's like you know they don't have a Jaquan Brisker that's being talked about or things like that. That but as a whole, this whole defense is good. Mm-hmm. It's a Correct. team defense, Correct. is what I'm saying. They're, you know, they're led by their linebackers in the tackling department, and then they got D backs that are that are right there in making plays. Yeah, yeah. it almost doesn't matter who they are. Like they, right. they're just going to suffocate you. They're going to. Here's the other thing about their defense too, and I, I I did get a chance to watch some of that Maryland game. They put pressure on the quarterback, and and the first couple of um, Talia's. Uh, interceptions were forced because the first of couple. <laughs> yeah the first out of the five he threw dude by the way you know he was the least intercepted uh, quarterback tied for the least intercepted quarterback in the whole country and now he's dead last in yeah so the fact that the country 
the fact that Sean Clifford's held onto the ball very well throughout the first five games may not be an indicator of how well he's going to fare against this Iowa defense. Okay. So what, what they do is they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and put the quarterback into difficult positions. And if Sean Clifford tries to force the ball, you know, they're, you know, they mostly play in a zone defense behind the offensive line. Like they know how to disguise their coverages enough. You know, that interception that we saw against Indiana where, where Clifford, you know, kind of assumed where the defensive player would be and and defensive player was in a different spot basically right in front be able to bro- break it on the ball you know that's what Iowa has been doing yeah force you into a quick decision by putting pressure on and then you know play good solid zone defense that that you know break on the ball and um you know Clifford's going to have to play very sharp and very smart we're going to have to be satisfied with punts um, you know, and field position for a lot of this game, uh, as opposed to like, you know, getting impatient and forcing the ball into a spot that it shouldn't go and then and giving up turnovers in a short field. I mean, that's that's definitely going to be critical. I mean, critical. Like, I, it, there's we can't have any significant deficiencies against the team that's going to be playing at home um, with with this kind of you know these stakes on the line like it's like it's like who's going to flinch first i feel like in a game like this yeah who's going to blink you know and like in that maryland iowa game uh maryland blinked first and it was really early in the game yeah <laughs> and that was it yeah. you know so so yeah we want to we're going to need to play disciplined game um all the way through for four quarters you know iowa's offense you know they do have an offense they have a quarterback they have running backs i mean they um, their offense is sco- uh averaging more points per game than ours now that's a product i think of their what their defense is giving them in terms of these short fields and all that kind of stuff but we're averaging 30 points per game, our offenses. And they're yeah. just averaging like 33.3 or something like that. So they can score. They do. Yeah. In terms of yards they're putting up, you know, Penn State's putting up a lot more yards. So I, I think a lot of it has to do, like you said, with um, with field position. Yeah. Um, and um, Dude, we had a we had like a four minute, 96 yard drive in this last game with Kevon Lee in the game. Like that was what we want to see in a game like this moving forward. And we're going to need to have long sustained drives if we want to, you know, win the game. I think we're going to or or we win the turnover battle. Yeah, um, and and you know, by the way, uh, Iowa has not put the ball on the ground very much. They've only had uh, given the ball away four times this season. We've only given away three, though. Yeah, so but I'm, they <laughs> no take fumbles. care of the ball. Not, so that's their, we've not fumbled that's their the formula. We've not Short, given you know, away any fumbles. Work on a short field and hang on to the ball. Um, you know, their weapons on offense are not particularly spectacular, but they are solid. Okay. Um, their quarterback is Spencer Petrus, I believe is how his name is said. As a, uh, that's how they said it on Fox this past week. Who can be sure? <laughs> um, Spencer Petrus. Um, he, on the year, he has seven touchdowns passing versus one interception. Mm-hmm. All right. He's been sacked 11 times. That's, you know, you can get to him, I think. And uh, this defense is going to try to get to him. Um, uh, 62% completion rate. So not Terrible, not great. Uh, he's only thrown 137 passes over five games. All right, so you know you do the math. That's um, that's under 30 passes a game um, for 943 passing yards. That's like 400 less than Clifford. Um, and but he's got an overall pretty decent passer rating, 135.3. 
So, um, you know, he's a game manager. He's not losing games. Um, he's not doing a lot to really win games on his own, on, uh, you know, on his own, but he's got a good cast of characters around him and a, and a great defense that he does not um, squander opportunities that the defense gives him. Yeah, I mean, it, this is this is um, <laughs> vintage Iowa. I mean, they don't have a crazy wide receiver. Name name me a time you've like known of a of a Iowa wide receiver that was prepared to to like carve you up, or even a yeah. or even a qu- quarterback prepared to. You I know, guess I mean I, f- for Iowa, it's always been their tight ends, right? I right. Mean, and that's they're what a tight end factory, and that's what the, that's what it is this year as well. I mean, uh, you're looking at their receiving stats. There, that Sam Laporta has gotten double the most uh, receptions from from over, yeah, d- double the most receptions than their leading wide receiver. So, like, I mean, they're going to throw to Laporta up the seam uh, whenever the quarterback is in trouble. I'm sure the tight end and their running backs are going to be, you know, their th- his safety his safety nets because you know I they're they're. Leading wide receiver has 11 catches for 132 yards and no oh, touchdowns. Man. So and yeah. w- with a long of 48. So one play he broke out for a for a 48 yard run, and that's like you know <laughs> of that 130 like of his total <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> so I mean, I, they're not going to be relying on their wide receivers, and with our secondary playing the way it is, I think it's going to be a big, really important to this matchup with our linebackers covering their tight end and um yeah, and, and running back out of out of the backfield so brandon smith and curtis jacobs um and it's interesting in the game against indiana they mentioned curtis jacobs being kind of like a hybrid like d-back linebacker which i didn't necessarily agree with but they do ask him to do a lot of the athletic coverage stuff um and 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 something that you may have not realized this year andy about our linebackers we keep you know we've been playing three linebackers more often than than two a lot this year. Have you realized that? Have you noticed that? I I, I mean I I wouldn't I wouldn't have necessarily been able to pick that out, but I I, I agree. I mean I, I remember in years past we were playing a lot more nickel Ton coverage, of nickel and dime. Um, so in I years think past. I think that's a lot of you know you're so so I'm, I'm seeing um uh you know Jacobs and uh, Brandon Smith like. Deep downfield, covering yeah, you, you know, covering a tight end or They're even a wide them receiver to, to do co- yeah. to cover a yep. lot more than we have. That's indicative of the athleticism that they have and the speed that they have, yeah, I agree. and the the length of their their reach and and wingspan. I think is a big part of that as well. Um, yeah. Now Iowa also has a really good running back. He's actually their second leading receiver on the team, as well as um, you know, very very capable running back. He's not quite averaging a hundred yards per game. He's got four hundred thirty yards on the season uh, over 99 attempts that's that's 4.3 yards per attempt which i think you know penn state would take a running back who's got those numbers right now um but he's also caught 12 passes out of the backfield for 146 yards with a long of 67 so you know we got to watch out for the running back coming out of the backfield and and you know breaking free for a long run as well yeah um it, that that's that's going to be their offense their tight end and their running back both in the receiving game for their running back and in the they're going to they're going to try and they're going to try and win at the line of scrimmage they're going to try and push us around on the line of scrimmage and then use their play action to get it to their tight end. That's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And he, now here's the other thing that Iowa adds to their game. Um, not too dissimilar from Penn State in this regard is they've got a tremendous uh, special teams um, uh, unit. They, they're um, excellent with punting. 
All right. Um, they're very, very solid with their field goal kicking. So I was going to be very content to kick the ball away um, and play field position. And they're going to be, you know, very capable of hitting a field goal, you know, when they get in field goal range. And so in a low scoring game, both of those two assets are, they're going to make it hard for Penn state. Um, you know, Iowa, if they, if they push any bit away into our territory, we got to expect they're coming away with three points. And, and um, also we got to expect that we're going to be able to, they're going to be able to pin us deep um, and and make us drive out of our own territory a lot of that uh, on the day. So it's going to be a really really tough tough haul. Um, and and by the way, our field goal kicker Jordan Stout, you know he's been a little shaky. He earlier was shaky in the, in the first game. He hit a fifty yarder last game. You know he's gonna, it's going to be crucial that we have a a field goal. I mean I I could see it. I think our special trading. teams are going to be the difference so in the game. I, I, I'll, well get to the, I'll get to my predictions and what. Well, let's do it, man. Are we already there? Let's do it. Are let's, we already there? We're there, man. What What do you think? Are like how do how does Penn State match up with this Iowa team? What is what's the key? And you you know why don't you pick up where you mentioned the special I think, teams? I think Clifford has to play a mistake free game by and large. I think he's going to make mistakes, but I don't think that they'll be. I need him to not make mistakes that change the tide of the game. Um, so I think if Clifford can keep the ball from going into the opposing, I'm sure that'll be a point of stress all week. And I'm sure that the fact that the team was able to watch that whole game Friday night, and by the way, apparently Franklin wasn't able to watch that game live Friday night. Apparently he was stuck at the stuck in transit in the air or in Philadelphia at an airport or something like that, and he was only able to like catch it live on social media. Via Twitter, um, but so the team was watching. So you know, Clifford's like crap. I can't be throwing interceptions left and right against these guys. That's going to be important. So everyone's going to know to not to take care of the ball in this game on the road. You can't lose. You can't win on the road like this. Uh, but you know, in a in a to- in a coin flip game, you turn the ball over a couple of times. That's it. You know, the- I was going to make you pay. So I'm re- I'm relying on Clifford to play mistake free ball. I need Kevon Lee and 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 Lo- John Lovett to be our top two backs, and I need them to be in there ninety percent of the plays. I don't want to see Noah Kane out there unless 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 he actually is given the opportunity and he actually is the hot hand. I want to see Kevon Lee controlling the ball and John Levitt uh, uh, as a third down back catching and you know screen plays and and wheel routes or whatever because uh, uh, I don't think that we have utilized our running backs in the past game enough this season that I think maybe Iowa won't be as prepared to see that as a little wrinkle in this offense so I, I kind of want to see the running backs get involved in in the in the pass game, and that'll be like you know as they try to double team Jahan Dotson and take away our our downfield threat possibly. I, I I can see the running backs and the tight ends getting reintegrated back into this passing game as they were not anywhere to be seen in the passing game essentially uh, against Indiana. So, but here here's where I think it, it's gonna our our special teams are gonna need to uh, win the field position battle. All right, and I think what's going to happen is we're going to miss a field goal that's going to be critical, but then we're going to make one that's going to win us the game. I think I can see this team winning with a field goal. 
And I think I can see it being like a um, 17 to 14 kind of game. Is that your prediction, bro? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't re- I wasn't quite turning to predictions yet. I just I had to I had to roll with you it. You just did it. I did. Yeah. It. <laughs> All right. So um yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff there I think in the keys to the game. Um I I agree with you. Um just uh, just a quick note to you you mentioned that picture of um Sean Clifford watching that Maryland game and watching all those interceptions. Mm-hmm. I was played two Big 10 teams this year mm-hmm. against two really good quarterbacks in Michael Penix and Talia Tangavaloa. Between those two games, they've come away with nine interceptions. It's insane. So if Sean Clifford thinks that, oh, uh, you know, they haven't played Penn State yet. Like, you know, these these defensive plays, these game-shaking defensive plays on Iowa's part are coming against solid competition in the Big Ten. And it's going to be absolutely critical that we don't suffer uh, significant turnovers in this game. Well, let's game. put it this way, Andy. Ta- Tua, or sorry, Talia, pardon me, and Michael Penix didn't, didn't you know, go through the fire um, of going on the road in Wisconsin and, and playing a, a very good Auburn team. And, and, Pe- and Clifford answered the bell in that Auburn game as he was getting better as the season went on. He, he didn't lose us the game at, in Wisconsin, and he practically won us the game with, against Auburn. So Clifford has experience in improving it, that he can take care of the ball, manage the game, be accurate, make great decisions. He's, he's proven it this year. Penix hasn't. Ta- Talia hadn't played anybody. Do you know do you know who Talia's best wins were against? A West yeah. Virginia team that's subpar. Um, yeah. Kent State. Uh, Howard University. Like the, the, Maryland hadn't played anybody. Okay, uh, that's a fair point. Oh, and they right. barely beat Illinois twenty to seventeen. <laughs> right. Okay, right. at Illinois. All right. So, so I don't want to hear this crap about like Talia is one of the best quarterbacks in the but, country. He hadn't no, proven it against anybody. No, no, that, that's not what I'm saying though. But, but I'm but saying that. I'm saying. I get it. I get it. But like, we can't go in with that mindset. But, you know, um, this is an exceptionally good Iowa defense, and to me i think the key to the game the, the matchup of the game is our offense versus their defense and, and, and speci- yeah sorry go specifically ahead. the play of Sean Clifford um both to um you know not turn the ball over you know play mistake free in that way but also can he unlock the lockdown defense of Iowa and move the ball that was what was fascinating for me against Auburn is that we had enough drives where Penn State was efficient with a ball. Look, Clifford, what was he at? Like 80 some percent, you know, completion percentage against Auburn. Mm-hmm. I think 80 is 88 or 82 or something. It was, like that. yeah, it was like almost 90% completion percentage. So, you know, not that he has to hit, you know, almost 90% completion, but like, can he be efficient on offense? In the passing game, Here's- uh, to, to me, I think that's, you know, because look, our defense, you know, you mentioned uh, Iowa scoring defense, that they're ranked number two. We're ranked number three. Yeah. And so I think our defense has a really great shot at controlling the game 
on that side of the ball. The question is, will our offense be that much better (laughs) than the very good Iowa defense? Can we find a way to get yards? Can we find a way to get points? Can we find a way to put the ball in the end zone instead of settling for a field goal and and punching into the touch, you know, getting a touchdown? Well, so, so, you know, Penn State has the 26th ranked uh, passing offense in the country, all right, with 12 TDs and almost 1,500 yards passing, all right? Um, and and Iowa's passing offense, uh, Iowa's passing offense ranks 96th, all right? Yeah. And we've got, you know, we're, we're, their, their pass game is just going to be complementary to them trying to control the ball with their running game. Exactly. Um, and so, so if we need to get, if we need to get, like, yards, we're going to do it through the air for sure, okay? Um but so when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to uh, the rushing defense, Iowa has the eleventh ranked rushing defense. All right, but guess who? We already played Auburn and Wisconsin. Wisconsin has the first ranked rushing defense. Auburn has the eighth ranked rushing defense. Like the reason why our run game hasn't been able to get going really is because we've been playing these defenses that are like keying on stopping yeah. the run. And the further we get away from those games, the more like. It, it wasn't just our low rushing numbers that are giving them that good ranking. Right, like it's right. showing that actually, as a matter of fact, play. they actually have good solid yeah. rush and deep, so right? it, And this is now a, a, a rushing defense that isn't quite as good as those other two. And this this rushing attack just got it going a little bit uh, against a solid Indiana defense. So I give I give our offense... You know the the like it's possible that maybe they're still actually getting better, and they're doing it against very good rushing defenses um, in terms of figuring out how to get better. So maybe they figure it out in this game. And by figure it out, I mean do enough, like do enough in the ru- running game against a solid team on the road to to control the ball and to 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 have to keep them honest in the box to open up some some passes in the pass game. All right, um, but. Man, you know, I think I think <laughs> I just feel like this team is going to answer the call again. I feel like this team is going to answer the call again. I do, I do. They're gonna they're because this is this is the next team to get off of our back. The, the next monkey to get off of our back from last year. Like already did it versus Indiana. Took care of all the other obstacles that we had uh, to begin the season with Wisconsin and and Auburn, but you know Iowa is the next redemption game, and I think that this senior laden team has the ability to do it. I think they got I the ability. Think, to do um, it. I think it's a tremendous opportunity for this team. It's a great challenge, and you know um, I said to you earlier, like part of how I'm trying to look at this season, um, especially as we go into these big games is to, you know, to see it as a test and, and not in the, in the sense of like, huh, I wonder how this team's going to fare. I wonder if they're going to show themselves to be the team that we have thought that they are, or that they could be. And, um, you know what, this Iowa game is going to show a lot. If this team plays like it's been playing, you know, and they don't face plant. They don't, you know, kind of fumble all of them. So I think, and that's what Maryland did. Maryland's not nearly as bad a, a team as they showed on the field this past uh, weekend. Uh, but if Penn State, you know, plays the kind of way they've been playing, it's going to be a really, really interesting 
uh, opportunity to see how this team measures up and how they match up. Defense, um, defense travels. Defense yeah. travels. Defense travels. And and <laughs> come that's that defensive performance. You know, shut out to to Indiana. Indiana scored um, twenty four points against Cincinnati's vaunted championship caliber defense. Yeah, okay? interesting. So defense interesting. travels, and and I re- <laughs> I don't think Iowa's offense is you know unless they like pull some rabbits out of some hats in that offense and really just kind of confuse Brent Pry. I just don't. We have we have not shown ourselves to to just totally face plan on defense yet this year. A- yeah. Ever, yeah. The only the only question mark I have on our defense to me is Tariq Castro Fields, um, and 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 with our secondary, I don't. Th- and and I was receiving threats on the outside. I just don't see them taking like like horrible advantage of Tariq Castro Fields, especially with the way our safeties are playing. So, yeah, I, I you know that's a great great point that defense travels. I you know I think it's I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Yeah. I think it's going to be a field position battle. I think we're going to be on the edge of our seats the whole way. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to be super. I got something. I, I got, just got yeah, something that I want to share that, that well, we're both getting. We both forgot. We both forgot about. It's this. more important than what I was about to say. So go ahead. We forgot. I don't that know what it is. Sean Clifford was knocked out of the game at the end. He was concussed. He came down hard on his head. Mm. He got he got pulled. Take take on Roberson had to close out the game. So yeah. we almost no one really, was talking no one about really, it. No one really talked about it because it, it very well could have been a, a spot where the backup comes in anyway. But maybe. But like I, I would have wanted to see Clifford continue to to run that offense down and get another touchdown because there was still like six minutes left in the game when he got pulled. Yeah, just just to be just, cl- just, just to be clear, I haven't heard anything that. Franklin doesn't has, talk about injuries. Right. I, I haven't heard any reporting that indicates, you know, that he that Clifford he was visibly concussed. I, I'm just saying this is all based on observation okay. from I'm from TV. It. But it, Can Cl- it'll be is interesting. Clifford going to be off his game, and we're going to be pointing to it's, that as being a possibility look, for why it's a tr- it's a, it's a whole different conversation if Clifford's not available or if he's um you know somehow hurt. But um, I I think he's going to be available. I, I'm not saying he's not going to be available. I'm just saying is he going to have you know in the NFL when you get concussed sometimes you're out the next game. Like yeah. I don't know what concussion protocols are in the Big Ten. That's what I'm in, saying, in, bro. In it's a totally different conversation. Sure. If Clifford sure. isn't able to play, yeah. and okay. we haven't heard anything of that. You, you, thank you for sandbagging my. I, um, I apologize. It came to me. <laughs> it was like a light in my head, and I was like, "Oh crap!" Clifford got knocked out. So, do you remember where you were? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, I can mean, you, can you climb back into into the to the saddle, Andy? <laughs> can you? Yeah, can you work I, with I mean, me here? <laughs> I was talking about how I <laughs> how I thought it was going to be a, a very you know a low scoring game, a field position type game, um, but I think that our offense is going to find uh, enough ways to to move the ball and to score points, um, and our defense I think is going to continue to to squeeze and 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 keep them to very very low production. Um, I I do see this as a Penn State victory. I, you know, I'm not going to lay money on it. I don't gamble, but like to me, it's a, it's a really a coin flip in a lot of respects, but I, I just, I have a belief in this team. I'm starting to grow a belief in this team. And by the way, this ends the first half of the season. We've got a bye week right after I was just going to say that. What a great 
We Wait. almost have two bye weeks after. I know. We got uh, Illinois at home after. No, don't say it. Trap I it. I already did it. No, no. Um, it, but yeah. but look, uh, it's it would be a tremendous way to close off a, a very very challenging first half of the season with a with a gutty win. Great spot for in a Kinnick. Bye. Great spot for a bye week, in my opinion. I think that the schedule lays out nicely for for these the way these obstacles are presenting itself. I, yeah, I so like. I want to like see it. these guys. Look, it's midterm exam time. Yeah, I want to see these guys put a complete game together and really show themselves, show their coaches, show the fan base, and show the college football world maybe, that this is a team to be reckoned with. Maybe we'll give midterm grades after after this Ooh. game, you know, during the bye week. Oh, we'll I like grades. it. I also am interested to know, Andy, and, and we you mentioned that, oh, the last time Penn State was in a top five matchup was the first game of the season in 1999. I was at the game, by the way. It was awesome. Um, we beat number four ranked uh, Arizona Wildcats, uh, and they went on to be a bad team that year for, for whatever it's worth. But I want to know the last time Penn State was in a top five matchup in the Big Ten conference play. So maybe never. when we come back, for, never? Ever? I mean, the last time, I may, okay, maybe, maybe not. Cause that was, it was, um, except for Michigan and Ohio State, it was going back all the way to the 60s. But maybe Penn State, Ohio State, or Penn State, Michigan would have been a top, uh, a I'll, top I'll five. I'll do some matchup. research. And What's br- it, would it be the Lloyd Carr game in 2005? Yeah, would that be? A I don't top think Michigan. Five? I don't. I think Michigan was top twenty-five. I don't think that they were. Anyway, I, I don't think. I don't believe so. Uh, we, we didn't lose. We didn't. We lost a game by like a point or two or whatever it was. Um, yeah, on the on the last second touchdown. Yeah, but but I I can't recall if what was Michigan ranked I'm, in that. I'm going to look it up here game. real quick. We were number one at the time. We, we were not. We were like we were like f- or two. Anyway, so this is sloppy. So and no, by the, the way, I just shut your mouth for the, for the record. Number Eight Michigan, number eight Michigan. Uh-huh. Just found it. That's a top ten matchup. Yeah, so I was right. Wait, or we, or were we number eight? No, I think we were. We were number one or two. We were undefeated. Man, I wish I. I, I I'm. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure out some this of these. Is so stats. awesome. I will figure out some of these. Some of these like rankings and and when was the last time this that and the other. Uh, when we have when we come to our our, our next uh, our next podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll sure, bring it to the table. Sure, for sure. Everyone you, will be super excited to hear it for by them. <laughs> but look, uh, you preempted my prediction for the game. So oh, no, <laughs> we were number eight, and Michigan was unranked. I just found it. Michigan was unranked. All right. We finished the season. Uh-huh. We dropped to number twelve after that, and then we won. What well, you won out, and we went from twelve to ranked eleventh to ranked tenth to ranked fifth to ranked third. Finished the season third. There you go. Boom. All right, my, my mistake. So, in any case, would you like to hear my prediction? Oh gosh, we're still there. Ugh. Yeah, you've interrupted like fault? four times now. Yeah, one hundred percent. By the way, this is why this podcast exists: two brothers, two takes, and two styles of getting there. Is it for one two team. takes, or is it just the one take? Shh. I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm calling, I'm calling a Penn State victory twenty to thirteen. Um, yeah, we hold them. To th- I, I think each team scores three times. Well, yeah. Right? But we score but two we- touchdowns and a field goal, and they score two field goals and a touchdown. By the way, if you say we scored two touchdowns and a field goal, that's not how you get 20. That's You miss an extra point with uh, a third touchdown is how you get I guess 20. We- <laughs> 
I guess. <laughs> Do you, so you're thinking two we scored four times, two field, goals. two field goals. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we break a. I, Math is I fun. think we break <laughs> a, a 14 to 14 tie with a game win, at least a fourth quarter field goal. I don't know about a last second one. It'll be game winning, but it might not be in the last four minutes of the game. Okay. All right. So hey, we're that's pretty close. Uh both of us we're we're within within a one score game, pretty low scoring. And um I guess we'll see how it shakes out. It's gonna be a four PM game on Fox and um man, I'm super excited. This is gonna really be a nervous. defensive uh p- performance and I just think that like we won't be talking about the offense like, oh the uh, Clifford won the game with three hundred and fifty pa-. it'll be like a stop was made here. An interception was made there. A tackle for tackle for loss or a sack that was critical at a certain point in the game. We'll be talking about the defensive uh, plays and standout performers. I think more so than anything that the offensive is doing is doing in terms of production. Yep. Well, um, we'll talk about it oh, next Monday. Man. I am so. Um, is it Friday yet? Gosh, know, Monday right? morning is brutal. So look, um, we have been doing some midweek content. Everyone, um, check us out on Instagram. Uh, I think we should uh, up the ante this week. Get on our Instagram. Look, we should do. We should do two talk is talk two, is two two minute drills, and I think we should do a post game instant reaction on Instagram too. Dude, uh, let's do it. So y'all, just so y'all know, Tom is in charge of the two minute drill. Oh, so you. you. <laughs> Piece of crap. <laughs> so, you know, if you want more two-minute drill, let Tom know, all right? Listen, if it's um, just me, I'll be doing it. My brother's the one with the family schedule that I have to work around, okay? Whatever. <laughs> He's um, blushing. Look, He's uh, blushing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Love you, Eileen. Um, I, thank you for letting him do this. I appreciate it. And the kids, you know, thanks for, for, for giving your dad's time to, to me in this, in this podcast. Uh, it's really appreciative, and we're having a great time. I, I got to say. I gotta say, we were we were really on track time wise until like the last care. ten minutes, and then we've I don't totally care. derailed. So I don't care. Um, anyway, uh, th- thanks for <laughs> thanks for a great show, uh, bro. Um, hey, all you um, uh, folks listening out there who've been thinking about doing a mailbag entry, um, keep it coming. You know, um, w- don't thanks, just think, um, start doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks, Adam, our first time uh, mailbag uh, entry. Uh, appreciate it. Um, Send us a question. We'd love to answer it uh, on the podcast. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll talk to you this week on Instagram. If not, we'll see you next week on our Iowa post game. Yeah. But until then, bro. It starts it always, with I love you. And it ends with I love you. We are Penn State. Brothers. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs> Peace. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 